Father, we just thank you so much uh, for your grace and your love and your mercy. It's such an honour to come and uh, to worship and to give you praise tonight, Father. Um, our heart's desire is, Lord, that you would speak. Less of me, more of you, great God. I pray, Father, that uh, what you have to say would, would move us to action as well, great God. I pray that you'd soften our hearts and that we would capture and hear your heart tonight, great God. Uh, that we'd be moved by what you want to say to us, Lord, and that, that, that this would take action in our everyday, that this would take action tomorrow and this week and next week and beyond and beyond and beyond that, Father God, uh, that you would just move so sovereignly, Holy Spirit. This is what we need and this is what we desire. We, it's, it's powerless without you, great God, without you, Holy Spirit. And so we just ask that you would come tonight, that you would move so sovereignly, uh, we thank you so much and we pray these things in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen. Amen. I, uh, a little while ago, there's uh, some great people. Oh, we're in this series, actually. Sorry, I should just mention that. We are in this series at the moment called Life Shared. It's by Alpha. Um, Alpha's amazing. You know, these resources that they provide for the local church to literally explore the Christian faith. Now, some of you may have done that. And I think I mentioned this, but the other day I was online just looking through some Alpha stuff. And I think Nikki Gummel mentioned around 60 million people um, have done that course now, uh, which looks at the foundations of the Christian faith. This course is also done by Alpha. Again, brilliant videos. Uh, so quite powerful. And as young adults, we're doing this at the moment. Um, but it's looking at this idea is, is, you know, Alpha's about exploring the Christian faith, really for non-Christians to explore. Uh, Life Shared is about, is really for Christians to resource the church to say, well, how does this play out? What does this look like in our everyday um, sharing with people about the good news of God and encountering people or inviting people? How has that played out and what does that look like? And this is what Life Shared is all about. So we've been doing this as a series uh, we started a few weeks ago. This is the third week in it. It was going to be the final week, but we've got missions conference next week, and then we've got a missionary coming from overseas to be sharing. So I'm sure he's going to speak into the same sort of concept and idea as well. So it's kind of maybe we're going to do four weeks in a, in a roundabout way. But anyway, so we're looking at this, and tonight I'm going to share around this, this concept, this idea of God's heart uh, to, to share this good news uh, with people, and I, I'm convinced, I'm absolutely convinced that this is at the center of God's heart. Uh, we see it, you just read the Bible, <laughs> and, and you just look at, at, at this God's narrative, God's love towards humanity from Genesis to Revelation of how He's trying to redeem a lost people to Himself. This is His heart. He wants His lost children to know Him, uh, to come home and to experience Him. There's a, great, there's a couple in this church, great couple, and um, they often email me through different things, you know, just uh, different um, encouraging stuff, you know, it might be YouTube clips and, and of interviews of, you know, pastors and just, just Christian stuff. And um, anyway, uh, sorry, that sounded bad. It's really good stuff. Um, but uh, anyway, so they sent me through, they emailed me through just recently, this interview of these couple of pastors. Anyway, so I was, I was watching this, and it was actually around prayer, and it was quite encouraging as they were sharing about it, but there was one pastor in particular, quite a prominent pastor, and, and uh, he was just sharing about a season in his life, how his, uh, his children were all following God, and he was senior pastor in this church, not here in Australia, actually overseas, he's a pastor, but he was pastoring this church, and one of his daughters really started to uh, walk away from God, 
And he spoke about how it was a really difficult time for him and his wife. And she really walked away and began to get into alcohol and then into drugs. And she really turned her back uh, on God through this season. And he just shared about how it was really difficult. He was quite emotional about it. And as he was sharing, there was something that he said that sort of grieved me a little bit. And he continued to keep sharing, but then he spoke about just the power of prayer, and they began to really press into God and intercede on behalf of their daughter. And uh, eventually, God really began to work in her life and drew her back, and, and, and she started to turn back towards God. And then he said, and, and I understood what he was saying, he was just trying to help people understand that she was, she was very far from God, but now she was walking so closely with God. And he said this sentence that I was a little bit grieved by in a way. He said, you know, she was on this, on this road, on this path of destruction, but then she came back and she was walking closely with God. And then he said this, and now she's in, the full, she's in full-time ministry. And, and, and what, 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 in essence, what he was saying was she was so far from God, but now she's in full-time ministry. In essence, she's walking so closely with God. And there was a part of me that was a little bit grieved at this sentence, and I'll explain why. Now, not because she's come back to God, but, but he was just, and I get it, and I've probably said it as well at times, but he was just trying to explain how closely now she is walking with God because of this statement, she's in full-time ministry. Like, in essence, he was saying she's working full-time for the church now. And I was a little bit grieved. And I'll tell you why, because I think, unfortunately, there's been this stigma around this kind of secular calling and this sacred calling. Like, this stigma around, like, if you work full-time for the church, then that's a higher calling than any other calling. And, and as far as I'm concerned, I think it's rubbish. Like, I don't think that working for the church full-time is like, oh, if you're a pastor, my goodness, you must be so holy. That's like such a high calling. You know, my goodness. I just don't think it's like that. I'm serious. It grieves me. It really does. Because for some of you, you're sitting here and you're thinking, oh, I'm just a carpenter. You're a lead. If you're a carpenter, you're a legend. But, you know, or, or, or I'm, just, I'm just, you know, I just work as a nurse in a local hospital. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a full-time mum, but don't you realize that there's no such thing as like, oh, I'm a pastor, that's a higher calling, than the call to raise your children, than the call to work on a job site, than the call to work in a hospital as a nurse or a doctor, than a call to work as a teacher to, to teach children, than a call to be a veterinary nurse, a, a call to whatever it is that you're doing to run a business, to manage in an office. There is no such thing as a higher calling, like because I work for the church, that's a higher calling. No. As far as I'm concerned, I see it that leaders and pastors are actually, as Ephesians 4 talks about, leaders, pastors, evangelists, it talks about the gifts, that they are there to equip the saints for, for what? For the work of the ministry. Where, where is the ministry? The ministry is everywhere. The ministry is not inside the church. And we've got this mentality that, oh, that's just kind of what the pastors do and the leaders, like that's the holy calling. And so they're called the full-time ministry. No, the ministry, they're, they're called, my call, particularly as an evangelist, I understand it's becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. Yes, my role as an evangelist is to reach people and I have such a 
burden for that. I, my, my deep concern and grief for those who don't know God, it's such a burden. I understand part of my call is to reach people, but that's not just for the evangelist. I also realize that part of my call is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's one of the difficult things for me when I came out of building, when I came out of working on job sites, it was so difficult to, to wrestle with this concept of, I, I was around you know, people all the time that I had opportunities to encounter and to reach and to speak about the goodness of God into their lives. And when I came into a church setting, that's what was, was actually most difficult for me. Was it's, it's hard. Look, when you're working around Christians, it's hard to reach them. You know what I mean? They're kind of like, yeah, we've heard it, mate. And, and, but I struggle with that because the ministry is, is everywhere. The ministry is all around us that, that, that equipped to, re, equipped to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It, it's not just for some, it's for, if you, if you tonight, you say, look, I'm a Christ follower, you're in the ministry. Like, like God has called you. you, you are his ambassador on the job site. You are his ambassador in, in, in the office, in the hospital that you work at, in the school that you work at, in the university that you go to, where you're studying, that, that, that he has called you to minister to that environment. I mean, I remember a little while ago, catching up with a friend of mine who was such a breath of fresh air. He, he passes, not at this church, he passes another church and we just caught up and we were chatting. And he said to this, this to me and I was so thankful. I said, I absolutely said, you know, we've been sharing so much, just sharing so many stories as a congregation. I'm getting so many people up in our congregation to share stories about opportunities they've had in their workplace and, 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 and in the neighborhood in which they live and where they play sport or where they go to the gym or whatever it might be, just getting them up all the time, sharing stories of these opportunities. Because he said this, because he said, I realize that 95% of the people in, in, in the community around us will never hear the gospel from me because they're just not interested in coming to church. And I realize that the people in my congregation, though, are rubbing shoulders with these people. And so we're just celebrating these stories and in essence, what is he doing? He's equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. In essence, he's saying, hey, you guys are going to have opportunities that I'll never get. And I just thought, that's so true. It's so true. And I look at our nation and the need around us, the way our culture's moving. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm grieved by that sometimes as well. The fact that I can get up here and preach the gospel from time to time, but but 95% of the people that are driving past may never hear it from me because they're just not, like church isn't on their radar. And, and, and the media and all sorts of things that are going around church at the moment, I just don't think many people are driving past. Now, this may say ne seem negative, but I just don't think there's many people driving past saying we should just drop in on Sunday. Now, don't get me wrong, there are some, and maybe some of you, that was your story. But I think for the most part, as it stands at the moment and the culture, the, 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 the temperature of, of where our culture is at at the moment, I just don't think that's happening. I just don't think it's on the radar. Now, maybe I could be wrong. But what that means is we need a fresh understanding. There's, there's not like if you work for the church, that's a higher calling, that all of you have a call and a command from God that if you profess a Christian here tonight, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, then a commission and a call has landed on your life. I want you to go. You, you're, the, you're the pastor of your office. You're the pastor of your neighborhood. You're the pastor of the gym that you attend. You are the pastor of the street, the, the, the unit block in which you live. You are the pastor of that and God is calling you out and God invites you in to the mission that he's began and he's doing and he will fulfill. 
and he invites you into this. And I think it's extraordinary. We so often preach a truncated gospel that yes, Jesus died for our sins. He rose again, overcoming death and I get to go to heaven when I die. But it is so much more than that. Part of the extraordinary aspect of the gospel is that now he wants to use you as a ambassador in this world to, to preach about the kingdom of God here and now that he's restoring the world around us and he wants to use you to be a healing agent in the world around you. I mean, have you ever thought about this? If we came to faith, why wouldn't God just take us straight home? When we come to faith and we realize, why wouldn't God just say, yeah, just come straight to heaven? Why does he leave us here in this broken world? Because he wants to use you. Because he's concerned about other people around us that don't know him and he's desperately, his deepest desire is to know his own children. I mean, if you've, if you've had children, you, would, you know the pain and the heartache of, of a moment when maybe, maybe you lost your child momentarily and the grief that causes, the deep angst in your heart that causes you. Could you imagine how God must feel over his lost children? And so he says, hey, and look, I understand, my life is short. I'm going home soon, I'm going home soon. so are you. And we can't waste our time. On, on momentary joys and happiness of what the world throws at us. This is, our life is short. Our life is so short. And he wants to use you to impact the lives around you. I said this to my wife the other day. I don't know if it was a revelation or a thought or not. I don't know. I just, I was outside and I came in and I had this thought because we've, we've always said, you know, we, we want to we wanna impact where we live. Like God has placed us there for a reason and and I was just thinking about that, and I came in, and I said to Raquel, I said, hey, you know what? I just realized there's probably missionary organizations over, you know, overseas somewhere, and they're, they're thinking and they're praying about where we're going to send our missionaries to. And I said, you know, they're probably sending, you know, they're probably looking at Australia saying, hey, there's a need, which I, I convinced there's a huge need in this nation, absolutely huge. And I said, they're probably sending missionaries to reach our neighbors, you know? Like, they're sending missionaries from overseas to reach our neighbors, and, and it's challenging because it's like, well, but we live there. Like, who, who's going to reach there? What about your neighbors? What about the unit block in which you live? Who, who's reaching there? And God is looking for people to use, and you're placed right there. It's such a challenge. A little, we had just a few days off just recently. I knew it was coming into a really busy season, and we were just staying up the coast at a, at a unit, and we'd just been down, as a family, we'd just been down the beach, and we came back to the unit, and then I just chucked on the TV momentarily, and... Um, I just noticed there was a movie on, it might have been maybe on one of the Fox channels or something like that. Anyway, there was a movie on and I kind of got engulfed in it and I was sitting there with my daughter, we were kind of all just sitting there relaxing for a moment and we sort of got into this movie and uh, it's, about this, it's about this pelican uh, called Mr. Percival. Now, I didn't know the movie name because I missed the first part of it. We kind of caught halfway in and, and apparently someone told me after 4.30, it's called Storm Boy, I think that's the movie, you may have heard of it. Anyway, Anyway, so it's about this pelican and he becomes really good friends with this little boy and, and there's this incredible bond between them. It's super cute. And anyway, um, and so they had this really awesome bond together and in the movie, there's, um, there's these two guys that live in the community that go duck shooting and all this sort of stuff. And, 
And so naturally, this is a real threat to Mr. Percival is the Pelican's name. So this is a real threat. And so you see a scene where the guys come out and they go um, shooting and Mr. Percival flies off and, and he sort of swoops these men who, and, and they attempt to shoot this Pelican. And the boy who's, you know, is a close friendship with this Pelican, the boy runs out and he, he runs, you know, uh, at these guys that are going to shoot him and he's screaming and yelling and he saves Mr. Percival in this moment. And it's like, oh my gosh, thank goodness because they're going to shoot him and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Now, as the movie goes on, now just spoiler alert, if you don't want to find out what happens just block your ears for maybe one minute and um but this is this is what happens and then later in the scene again they come out and they go duck shooting and mr percival flies off and the little boy runs after him he's yelling out mr percival mr percival he runs out and mr percival again starts swooping these guys naturally maybe trying to protect his bird friends i don't know and he's, he's swooping these guys this time they turn and they shoot um the the pelican they shoot mr percival and he just goes straight you know hits the ground and by this stage in the movie, you're, you're engulfed in it. And like Mr. Percival's amazing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's actually a full-on emotional scene. And I'm watching this with my three-year-old daughter. I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if this is right. I don't know. And and because because and, and it's really emotional. And, and I mean, granted, I love animals. So anyone who hurts an animal, I get pretty upset. Big supporter of RSPCA. Um, and, um, and so I'm grieved and I'm trying to hold back the tears. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, how's Grayson coping with all this? And she was so cute, like she's gutted, she's gutted. It's such a sad scene. And my wife kind of looked over and was like, oh my goodness. And we're just sitting there, me and my daughter. And, and she took a photo actually, and here's my daughter in this moment where Mr. Percival gets shot. I mean, look at the frown. She is literally trying to try not to cry. Now, I'm in the background. Raquel had it larger with me in it, but I kind of cut myself out because I was in a bad way as well. I didn't, want you, I didn't want you to see that, but I'm in a really bad way too. It's so emotional. My goodness. And, and the little boy takes Mr. Percival and he tries to, to, you know, tries to make him feel better and, and, and he ends up dying later that night. It's so emotional. The movie finished and my daughter was like really grieved and she's like, Dad, Dad, that was so sad. And I was like, I know, Graceland, like so sad. And she, had, she was sort of okay for a little bit after the movie and then she was just kind of doing some drawing stuff. And next time I just watched her and she had this like pen in her hand and she just threw it up in the air and then she ran. And she ran down the hallway and she ran into one of the bedrooms and I was like, oh, what's going on there? And I went down after her and she had her head in the bed. She just threw herself on the bed. She had her head in the bed and she was sobbing and she was crying and crying. And, uh, and to be honest, my wife and I talked about it later and we were like kind of thankful because we thought, wow, she does have compassion there. Uh, <laughs> Because honestly, she bullies me around like you wouldn't believe. And I thought, thank goodness, she's actually compassionate. But it was, I said, Graceland. I said, Graceland, what's the matter? And she said, Dad, like he died, like he died. And she was so upset. It was a really emotional thing to see. And I was trying to comfort her and all this sort of stuff. And I, I said, Graceland, I was really emotional too. How sad was that? And we sort of chatted a little bit about it. But afterwards, I was thinking a little bit more and, and she was kind of okay. She still talks a little bit about it today, but... But we, we kind of talked a little bit about it, and there was something in me that I said, there's something, there's something about this. And as I was thinking about it, we were so kind of worked up and emotional and, and upset, and, and it was right. But over this pelican that got shot, and, and I thought to myself, man, like if the, Christian, if the Christian faith is true, we're talking about people's souls, like that are going to spend eternity somewhere. And it's either heaven or it's hell. Like, that's the reality. If, if this is true, if this is real, 
And I was, I tell you what, it's challenging because, you know, I, I got worked up about it and I thought, like, do I get that worked up when I hear about people that are passing away? Because, like, there's a lot at stake, like, don't you think? There's, this, is, this is huge. If this is true, like, death is so final and it's eternal. And somebody is going somewhere and, and I don't know, I was like, is that, am I that grieved? Like, God, I need, I need to be gripped again. I need to be broken again. I need to, I need to capture and, and, and understand eternity. I need to see people and I need to see this through your eyes, great God. Because sadly, I don't think I'm as gripped or as grieved at that sometimes. Sometimes I am. But I, people often ask me when they, we have these times of prayer, they say, what do you want prayer for? I say, just more pain for the lost, more pain for the lost. That's all I want prayer, more passion for God and more pain for the lost. And, and even still, I know I'm so far. I've, so got, I've got so far to go in terms of the, that gripping, that deep angst in my heart for those who don't know him. And yet the truth is that it doesn't have to end like that for people. It doesn't have to end in destruction. Paul talks about this in Romans 10. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is the hope that we carry. If you're a Christian here tonight, the hope is that you've got a message. You've got good news to tell people. That it's not the end. That there is hope for humanity. How then can they call on the one they have not believed, and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful the feet of those who bring good news. We need to be gripped afresh for God's heart for humanity. I came across this, I wasn't sure I was going to read it, but it aligns so well. This is... Um, C.T. Studd came across this and it challenged him so much and propelled him in such a powerful way. But this was actually written by an atheist and he states this. The atheist writes this, if I firmly believed as millions say they do that the knowledge and practice of religion in this life influences destiny in another, then religion would mean to me everything. I would cast it away, I would cast away earthly enjoyments as dross, earthly cares as follies, and earthly thoughts and feelings as vanity. Religion would be my first waking thought and my last image before sleep sank me into unconsciousness. I should labor in its cause alone. I would take thought for the morrow of eternity alone. I would esteem one soul gained for heaven worth a life of suffering. Earthly consequences would never stay my hand or seal my lips. Earth, its joys, its joys, sorry, and its griefs would occupy no moment of my thoughts. I would strive to look upon eternity alone and on the immortal souls around me, soon to be everlasting happy or everlasting miserable. I would go forth to the world and preach to it in season and out of season. And my text would be, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul? It's a challenge. Yet Paul says that, hey, no, there's good news. 
For everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? This is not just the job of leaders or pastors or evangelists, that any who say, yep, I'm a Christian, we get to play a part in this extraordinary thing called this mission that God has for every believer. And let me just say this. Because there's, uh, there's fear, I get it, there's fear. And I, I'd be the first to say, I'm not bold, I'm not courageous around this, I'm not. Actually, I'm probably pretty wimpy when it comes to this sort of stuff in terms of outreaching. Like, I'm just not great at it. And I understand, uh, I'm not the best evangelist, I'm not the best person at outreach, and you're not the best evangelist. You know what, Billy Graham's not the best evangelist. But you know who he is? The Holy Spirit. He's the best evangelist. And he's the one that prompts and guides and leads us and says, hey, this person's close. I want to prompt you here. Just, just go and speak to this person. Just do an act of kindness there. And part of what we need to learn is listen and obey. Listen to the Holy Spirit and obey. Listen to the Holy Spirit and obey. If we don't, we'll walk in the flesh and it will be fruitless. But when we listen to the Holy Spirit, we'll walk in the Spirit and it'll be fruitful. And you'll experience the power of God through your life and you'll experience some extraordinary stories take place in your life. And you won't take credit for it because it won't be you. It'll be God in and through your life. But we've got to make ourselves available. We've got to say, God, yeah, that's true. I don't know how to do this. I'm not good at it, but I want to make myself available to you, great God. Use me. Use me. Paul states here, hey, how do people, how are people to know if they've never heard it? And I thought about this just recently, and God put it on my heart, but I realized even with my own story, I wasn't necessarily disobeying God. I'd never heard about God. Like, I wasn't intentionally being disobedient. I just never stepped foot into church. I'd never, no one had spoken to me about God until I was about 17, 18 years old, never read a Bible, all of that sort of stuff. And it wasn't until someone talked to me about it that, that I sort of, I started to contemplate. And I thought it was fairy tale stuff, but there was a part of me that thought, hey, that'd be amazing. And it made me wonder, like, how many other people are out there? How many other people are out there that they're not necessarily intentionally disobeying God, I don't want a bar of you. I just think they're just, maybe they've never heard it. And so we get this extraordinary opportunity to be able to speak into people's lives, to share with them and to talk to them about the goodness of God, how amazing He is. I might share a story at this moment. I didn't share it at the 4.30, but it just came to mind. I heard it recently. Is, uh, many of you have heard of Lee Strobel, and he wrote a book, on The Case for Christ. And he shared recently, it was a great story. He shared, he was sharing, I heard this in a, a podcast and a sermon, but he was sharing that he was doing some uh, book thing, and he was connecting with all these people or something, networking with all these people. And he spoke about how a guy came up to him and shared with him and said, I just want to thank you so much for um, sharing the gospel with me, and, um, and, and you know, I've come to faith. And Lee Strobel had never uh, met this guy before, and so he was a little bit confused. But Lee Strobel talks about a time in his life when he used to work as a journalist in the office, and, and uh, he was working in this office one day as a journalist, and, and the Holy, he felt the Holy Spirit say to him, go and share the gospel with one of your workmates. And so he was like, oh, it's a bit weird, a bit about a blue, and he sort of wrestled with that for a little bit, but, but the Holy Spirit just stayed on his case and said, just go and share uh, with this particular person in your office, you know, the gospel share about me. And so he was like, oh man. So he, he listened and he obeyed. And so he got up from his desk and he went into his mate's office and he sat down and they just chatted for a little bit. And then he began to share with him and share a little bit about his faith. And he spoke about how he shared the gospel with his friend. And he was thinking, well, you know, the Holy Spirit has prompted me here. Surely something's going to happen. And he shared this gospel with his friend. And his friend was just like, 
yeah, cool, thanks for that. Um, awesome, I might get back to some work now. And he, he walked out of the office like feeling a little bit embarrassed and like, oh my gosh, that was so awkward. Like, what happened there? And there was literally next to no response with his friend. And he, uh, and he just went back to his desk and he was like, that was so awkward. Like, did I totally hear that wrong? That was the most awkward thing. Went back to his desk, end of the day. And he ended up leaving uh, that job and he, he ended up pastoring and all that sort of stuff. And he never heard anything about that mate that he shared the gospel with. Ten years later, as I said at the start, this guy came to him at this signing or whatever and said, I want to thank you so much for sharing the gospel with me. And Lee Strobel was a bit taken back and he's like, oh, and he was like, I had never met this guy. This is so awkward. I've never met him. And he sort of kept talking with this guy and he said, I've just got to fess up. And he said to this guy, look, I'm so sorry. I can't recall meeting you or even talking to you or sharing with you. And the guy said, oh, no, you haven't met me before. And he's like, okay, this is really weird. This is interesting. Well, how did I share the gospel with you? And he said, I'm a carpet layer. He said, 10 years ago, I was laying carpet in your office. And I was laying carpet in one of the offices and I was behind one of those petitions and you walked into the office and you started sharing the gospel with a friend of yours in the office. I was behind the petition, you never saw me, but I was on my hands and knees and I was installing the carpet behind the petition. And as I was on my hands and knees behind the petition, as you shared the gospel, I, was, I stopped what I was doing and I listened to every bit of it and I thought to myself, I want that. And he said, on my hands and knees, as I was laying that carpet, I responded to Christ and I said, Jesus, I want that in my life. And I came to faith that very day. Now, you can imagine Lee Strobel was floored. He just couldn't believe it. He walked out of that office that day thinking, what, what, why did I do that? The fruitfulness of walking in the Spirit. Listen and obey. Paul goes on to say, hey, this, some people may have never heard before. It is our job. It's our role. Every Christian, it's our job. It's our calling. It's our command to go and to share. To go and to share. William Booth says this, it's a powerful quote. William Booth started the, uh, founded the Salvation Army, incredible church, social justice, extraordinary. William and Catherine Booth, one of his quotes I love is he says this, church, do something. Church, do something. But he says this as well, I came across this, this, this quote, he says, while little children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While, little, um, while men go to prison, in and out, in and out, as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there is a poor lost girl upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight, and I'll fight till the very end. And that's what, exactly what he did. C.T. Studd says, some wish to live within the sound of church and chapel bell, I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Let me say that again. Some wish to live within the sound of, a ch of, of church and chapel bell, but I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. A little while ago, um, part of this series and part of this last session is talking about how this plays out in our everyday life, impacting lives, reaching people and the problem is sometimes, you know, pastors and maybe evangelists and they get up and they share from the stage these remarkable stories and these incredible outcomes and it's extraordinary. The only problem is they never talk about how it kind of unfolded necessarily. And so everyone sitting there goes, that's an amazing story, but I could never do that. Like I could never do that because they just share this extraordinary thing that happens. 
a little while ago, um, like I said earlier, you know, my wife and I have always felt really called to our neighborhood, and, and we recognize that we're, we're the pastors, we're the leaders, we're, we're the ambassadors in the street that we live in, or the streets around us, and the neighborhood in which we live. We pray every night for our neighborhood. Uh, I pray with my daughter every night. We pray for our neighbors, and we pray for our neighborhood, that, that God would use us in that place, because that's where God's placed us. We've been very intentional. It's a funny thing when you pray, you start acting on it too. It's a two, two-fold thing. But as we pray, we start acting it out. We can't just pray all the time and do nothing. You're sort of compelled to do something. You're praying about it. And so we pray every night. And so we've been very intentional about connecting with our neighbors. And we've built some just amazing relationships with our friends. I don't know if we could ever sell because we just love our neighborhood. We love our neighbors so much. You know, I wonder if it's interesting thought, hey, would the people, if you sold your house, would the people around you be gutted? Like seriously, like if you said we're selling, would they be devastated? It's a challenge because, you know, it was really interesting. Um, the people that loved hanging out with Jesus were like the worst, the worst sinners, like the most broken, like, and yet they loved hanging out with Jesus. Do people like love the fact that you live next door to them? Do people love the fact that you live in their neighborhood? Would they be gutted? What about further than that? What about as a church? Would this neighborhood be devastated if this church shut down? It's a challenging thought. And so we've been very intentional about connecting with our neighbors and, um, Anyway, so uh, one of our neighbors around the road, um, I don't even know how we kind of connected with her. Maybe she was just out in the garden one time and I was outside as well and I waved, I don't know. And then next time I said hello and then next time we met. And, and then from there it's continued to just build this relationship. And a little while ago I was working um, on my house and this, our neighbor came around the corner and she said, oh, David, I'm wondering if you can help me at this, help me. Um, um, my husband, you know, well, this is how she said it. I was pr- pretty terrified. She said, he's had a stroke and I've locked myself out of the house. And so I was freaking out, but at the, you know, as we were running back to her house, she explained that this was a couple of months ago, I had a stroke, and so I was like, oh, okay. And, and, um, and, so, um, and so we're going back to her house, and sure enough, she was locked out, she couldn't get in, and so she's like, can you, can you help me get in? And, and so I pretty much broke into her house, and um, don't worry, I fixed it. But, um, and so I got, we got in, and she was really thankful, and she said, thank you so much, thank you so much. And we had this great opportunity just to share and chat, and she said, you know, I'm really struggling with this as... Um, you know, um, oh, I won't say his name, but you know, my husband's you know had this stroke, and I'm really struggling. I've taken time off work. It's really tough for me. It's really tough. And naturally, I'm just thinking, surely there's something I can do here. And I said, well, can we bring you some meals? Or look, I can definitely do stuff around the yard or whatever, you know. And she's like, that would be amazing. And, and so we just kept in contact. And then another day as we were sharing, she was talking about how, because her husband was in and out of hospital. And, and she said, the parking is costing me so much to go in every day to the hospital. It's just costing me a fortune. And I remember thinking, well, surely I could just drop her off every now and then at the hospital. And so I said, you know, w- would that be helpful? Could I take you to the hospital every now and then? Maybe before work, drop you in. And she's like, that'd be amazing. And so we'd just, I'd just drop her into the hospital and, and, and uh, she'd be able to go see her husband and stuff like that. And, and anyway, I just built, you know, this connection. Then Yes We Care came up. And then I thought that'd be a great opportunity to nominate. And so I nominated um, her house and we did some work there. And after that day, after I was just sharing with her, after we'd finished and she was incredibly thankful and and she just said, you know, again, she just, came, she just was saying, David, this is so difficult for me. It's so hard. And, and she said, you know, you work for a church. Like, like, is there any hope? This is what she's saying. Is there any hope for me? And as she starts pouring out her heart, she starts crying. And she's crying. She says, is there any hope for me? And all of a sudden, just this opportunity came up. And I said, you know, I'll just call Michelle. I said, you know, Michelle, um, I, I just don't think God intended it to be like this. 
that God actually did create a perfect world. And I began to share with her. And probably for the next 15 minutes, I shared the gospel with her. Like just in her house, me and her, we're just sharing. And I shared the gospel with her, how God intended it to be perfect. This wasn't, his, this wasn't his idea, but that one day that God is restoring things and that one day he'll set everything right, everything right again. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more heartache, no more strokes, no more crying, no more tears, that everything will be perfect one day. This is the hope that you have. And I shared this with her and all of a sudden things began to shift. It was a great moment, a great opportunity. And that's honestly, that's one of several opportunities I've had, you know, again, with different neighbors. They were struggling in their marriage and out of the blue, I went over to go see him one day. I said, are you going okay? And he just began to open up and share. And I was telling the staff, I don't have time to tell you guys, but, but I was, I was um, I said, yeah, I was just talking to him outside and he was just sharing a little bit about his marriage. And I had this opportunity, he said, look, um, can you come in? And, and I went into his house and it was the most weird experience, but I found myself in their lounge room mediating between him and his wife and saying, all right, now, now you know, he said this and you said this and it was just the most awkward experience. So eventually I got to this point where I said, look, I'm so under, uh, what's the word? Like underqualified. I'm so underqualified for this. Can I just pray? Like this is what I said. And so here I was, like again, in different neighbors, like different neighbors. I was in their lounge room and I just prayed for them. And the kids are running a mark and, and, and you know, I just prayed for a blessing of God over his life and her life. I prayed a blessing over their marriage and stopped praying. They're in tears. He, he's in tears. She's in tears. Everyone's in tears. And uh, it was an amazing opportunity. Again, different neighbors. We built a relationship. We had dinner with them on Friday night. They're coming over this week as well. Different neighbors of ours. Young couple looking to get married soon. They said, would you, we, we would love it if you would um, do, our, do our wedding for us, you know, marry us. I, never, I was so honored. I said, absolutely, I'd love to do, I'd love to, you know, take your wedding. That'd be amazing, extraordinary opportunities. Do you know how all these things came about? It was probably kind of like this. They were out in their garden and I walked outside. Hey. <laughs> That's how it came about. Oh, g'day, how's it going? How's your week been? And then all of a sudden, get to share the gospel. All of a sudden, mediating marriages in their lounge room. Like, all of a sudden, taking weddings and an opportunity. Just, just last week as well, when we caught up and my, another, one of, <clears throat> another one of the girls in our street, Raquel, was catching up with and just had an opportunity to share again around God and all this sort of stuff. But you know how it came about? Just a wave, just hello. You can do that. The problem with some of these cool stories is that you don't get to hear the first part and how it evolved. How it evolved is a wave. How it evolved was borrowing a rake once. How it evolved was just saying hi, and you can do that. You can do that. You can have an impact. It's the call that God has for your life. One of my biggest fears is that I'll get to the end of my life. I know this will, this will be the case for me. I'll get to the end of my life. You know what the biggest fear for me, or my biggest, I know my biggest regret will be, maybe I could have done more. Maybe I could have shared more. Maybe I could have listened to the Holy Spirit more. Maybe I could have just obeyed and just been bolder. Life is so short. Our time is short. I'm going home soon. I'm going home. And my life on this earth is short. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and go, man, I should have done so much more. And I don't want you to have that regret or feel that way in any way. Your life is so short that the Bible says it's a vapor and it's gone. This is not your home. This is not your home. You are passing by. Everything that this world offers you will be burnt up. It is worthless in comparison to when you enter into eternity if you're a Christian here. Do not waste it. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word compels us into action. 
And there are some that are sitting here right now just going, oh, that's me, that's me. There are some that are sitting here that, that you, Holy Spirit, have spoken to their hearts tonight. And I think it's appropriate and a right to respond to you. Not wait, but to respond to you now. Tonight, as, as you sat there, you just felt like, whoa, that message was for me. Wow, like God really spoke to my heart. Rather than me praying for you necessarily, that's really between you and God. I, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to him personally. Say, God, I repent of my apathy. I repent of whatever it might be. And just to pray to him and say, God, stir my heart afresh. Oh, Jesus, revive my heart. Please. If that's you tonight, I just I have to give a moment for you to respond to him. You can just do it in your head and in your heart, but take this moment now to respond to him. Father, thank you that you've you've heard every prayer here tonight. Thank you, Father God, that you've spoken to people's hearts here tonight. And I just pray, Father God, that this week would be just a radically different week for, for all of us in some way or another, but we would just really start being intentional around the opportunities around us. That we'd really start being intentional about listening to you, Holy Spirit, and where you're guiding and leading us. And I just pray, Father God, that, that from this week and beyond and, and into next year, and, and that, that you would just find in us a people that live lives that are really searching and looking for those opportunities around us, living a life in intentionality. And I just pray, God, that even out of this very week, there'd be some extraordinary testimonies, some great stories of how we've had some opportunities to share with people. Out of even the simplest acts of kindness, out of showing the simplest acts of love, Father God to those around us and there'd be some extraordinary stories and we pray great God that the stories wouldn't end this week but they would just continue to grow and grow and grow and the miraculous works of you wouldn't be out of the normal but would just be the standard just that every week every day this is just normal for us these extraordinary opportunities that we might help usher people into your kingdom to see people come to know you as Lord and Saviour to be reunited to you Heavenly Father this is our heart because we believe and we're convinced it's your heart, great God. So we love you, Lord. We know that it's only by your empowerment. We can't do it. We can't do it on our own. We need you, great God. We need you, Holy Spirit. And so thank you that your promise is that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Father God, that you empower us. We worship you and we thank you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen, amen. Let's jump up on our feet. Let's worship our great God. And I just want to give you an opportunity, maybe in this song as we sing, as we worship our great God, maybe for you, it's just something particular on your heart and you want to receive prayer. Feel free to come down. We'd love to pray for you in this song and just ask God to intervene or work or whatever it might be for you. Let's sing and worship our great God. This week, first uh, of Scripture, God's just been putting on my heart exactly what David preached. I've just been praying, God, just break my heart afresh for the needs of our world, for those who are yet to hear the good news all that Jesus has done. It says this in 1 Timothy 2. It says, God, our Savior, wants all people to be saved. No matter what your story, no matter what your background, He longs for every person to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. There is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all people. It's the best news in all the world. We have the privilege as His people are being a part of this. I want to pray and ask God just to commission us afresh tonight. Um, so many opportunities to reach out, so many stories just from this last week and weekend 
um, to share. But we don't have time, but I want to pray and ask God to bless us now. Let me do that. Lord, we thank you. So many things you're doing. People discovering that there is hope in you, that there is life, that there is a God who loves them, who has a plan, a purpose for them, great God. And you have called us to be a part of bringing this hope to the world. What a privilege, Lord. It's the greatest joy in all the world, in fact, to be able to share this with others. And so I want to pray, Lord, we've just been hearing about some of the great things that are coming up, the hampers going out, Lord. We pray you'll bless every one of those hampers, expressions of your love and your care for each and every person. We want to pray for the Red Frogs team, Lord, as they're getting ready to go. Some here tonight, you're probably calling. In fact, Lord, I believe you're calling some to be a part of that team. We've been thinking about it. Well, Lord, I pray you'll prompt it and just that they'll trust you with your provision financially, whatever they need to get down there, just to be blessing these young people down there on schoolies week. And we thank you, Lord. Uh, just for the, for the way that you are moving in this community, great God. And we just want to keep, we're saying tonight, Lord, that we want to have this outward focus, Lord. May it not be looking inward, but always looking out to share your love and your care with every person we come into contact with. And may we be those led by your spirit, we pray. Bless our day of prayer on Tuesday. Bless our Bridge World Conference as we look to the world, the great needs in our world. But you're at work, mighty God. And so, Lord, I just pray for your commissioning for each and every one here. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can we put our hands together as we give thanks to our mighty God? He is awesome. If you are going on Red Frogs or you want to be a part of Red Frogs, Pastor Dave is actually meeting up on the mezzanine level at 8 o'clock. There's some going to get together and just pray over that. Or if you want to find out more, head up there. But you can grab a seat. If you'd still like prayer in some way after the service, come and grab us afterwards. We'd love to pray for you. And do stay around so we can say hi to you as well. It's so good to have you here tonight. God bless.